much I'm going to catch him before this year is out. Oh, my name ain't Charles L. Ahab. By George, I'm going to catch him yet. And the sound of his peg leg can be heard stumping the quarter deck hour after hour as the wind howls through the ancient rigging of our benighted ship, the Pequod. <laughs> That's the sound of the wind through the rigging. This is Skizix, and uh, I think things will be all right if we just stick with it here, friends. Just don't panic. Wait a minute. Hello, test. Hello, test. One, two, three, four. Hello, test. Hello. Occasionally it grates down deep under my fingernails. Of course it does. Hey, George, there's no turning back. None. We must go forward. We must. We cannot stop now. It's far too late. It's too late for all of us. We've got to move forward. We've got to push aside that curtain. We've got to look into the eye of the tornado itself. We've got to go over the bridge. We must transverse the evil crater of the ugly volcano of passion. Come! <laughs> we can't turn back. Don't you think that it affects me? Of course, it affects all of us. There is no... I repeat, no... Oops. <clears throat> I repeat, no... Turning back, my George... <laughs> I'll ad lib my way through life. I'll fool It's footwork that counts all the way. There ain't no turning back today. Brasmatis and the Rudy too. Vault, vault, vaulty doot. We'll fool them all, won't we, gang? We will not allow our, our poor little wills to be subverted. Are you a radish in the great salad of existence? Or are you a beautiful, crisp, iceberg lettuce leaf, cold and remote? Yeah. Or maybe, perhaps, you're just the smallest sliver of cucumber with a dash of French dressing. Or 
as we pass. Or is your life just one big uh, oh, fruit salad? And you are a poor grape with a bad spot. Or a sliver of apple containing a sliver of worm. There, hold it there, hold it, hold it. Holy smokes, what a nervous, twitchy world. No, no, the first cut down, that's it. What a nervous, twitchy world we live in. And, uh, and you know, speaking of a, of a nervous, twitchy world, one, one of the things I find most interesting in this nervous, twitchy world that we all inhabit, no matter how far outside the perimeter of action we may think we are, uh, one, to me, one of the most interesting parts of it is our insatiable hunger for continuous sound. We really have it. It's 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 becoming, it's becoming uh, more than ubiquitous. It is becoming everywhere. <laughs> it it uh, every elevator you get into these days, there is a little speaker somewhere, playing soft. Everywhere you go, there is the sound of something playing somewhere, someplace. And now it just had to happen. It absolutely had to happen. And of course you realize that so much of the sound that we hear today is kind of dehumanized. Uh, have you listened to those long hours of Muzak coming out of the loudspeakers? Do you actually picture musicians playing that? Is this a real bunch of guys sitting down there with timpanis and trumpets and pack horns and stuff? Or is it just music by the yard, by the mile, <laughs> that stretches from here all the way to some galaxy beyond? I have a feeling that if, 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 uh, if somebody was out in some planet, say, 26 billion trillion miles from here, and uh, they, were to, they were to pick up the sound of radio broadcasts from planet Earth, they would undoubtedly pick up one of these good music stations that plays not really... Well, it isn't good, and it isn't music, actually. It's just the sound of endless strings. And not really strings, because they're all echo-chambered. And not only are they echo-chambered, they've been all doctored and cleaned up, and, and uh, uh, the salt's been removed from them. Uh, all the herbs that have been put in them are bland herbs. And I suspect that the sound of our planet will be the sound of Muzak. You know, I'd have to... I'd have to uh, I have to amend T.S. Eliot here. I don't think we're going to go out with a whimper. I think we will go out with 17,000 endless courses by the Melocrino strings, playing an endless an endless montage, a melange of Cole Porter, Richard Rodgers, and unidentified composers, just going on and on and on and on and on throughout all eternity, and somewhere in some far distant galaxy. After they get those great big rabbit ear antennas aimed in the direction of the Milky Way and planet Earth, they'll begin to hear it coming out of the blackness of endless, endless space. And they'll sit there with their earphones on their heads 
and they'll try to decipher what our civilization was about. Every half hour, they hear this strange voice giving the time. And then on and on and on it goes. On and on and on it goes. The dirge of the nervous. Who are afraid to hear the sound of their own inner voices for fear of what they might be saying. And if you can get those inner voices to say it in stereo, that's even scarier. I'll never forget the time that I walked into a hotel room in Cincinnati just by accident with two or three other people, including a policeman. Walked into a hotel room by accident on a suicide was lying across the bed, and the bed was covered with the gore of humankind. And out of the speakers all around the walls came the sound of music that was playing as he expired. This, this uh, to me, is, is one of the most unusual. I don't often talk about uh, albums. Uh, I don't talk about the recorded music much. This is not a disc jockey show. However, I am fascinated by the, the long, slow evolution that our recorded music and our recorded entertainment is taking. And uh, this represents a very fascinating, and I think to me, at least to me, uh, somewhat significant step the album that you're listening to right now is a special album that is called an oral toy. That oral is spelled A-U-R-A-L. An oral toy for infants. These are for children who have been born into the Muzak age. And uh, this is Muzak for kids. And uh, I'm talking about kids, in this case, 6 to 12 months old. This is music to be played... Uh, for them, <laughs> not, 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 you remember the old kind of, uh, of kid stuff like Tubby the Tuba, you know, that kind of jazz, or, uh, Willie the Lion would sing a song, or Gene Kelly would sing, Little Red Riding Hood, da, 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 da. No, no, that's not at all what this is. This is sound to soothe six to twelve month old babies by. And it's to be played over your hi fi system quietly at room level and as the infant lies in his crib sucking his thumb the woofers and the tweeters carry peace and contentment to him. He will be a perfect adult 20 years later, perfectly attuned to the WBAT way of life, perfectly attuned to dusk to dawn quiet, easy non-identifiable music that sounds like any minute now it's going to burst into grand and glorious melody but never quite does on and on six to twelve months very easy baby easy child yours is a transistorized soul yours is the soul of a cathode follower one that reproduces the sounds that it hears perfectly with less than one-tenth of one percent distortion, of course, and over three milliwatts of clear, undiluted, 
beautifully reproduced sine wave technique. You know, it is peculiarly hypnotic, though, listen. Oh, and another thing, too. This music is electronic music. There is no instrument involved, which kind of is poetic justice. There's no one playing drums. There are no trumpets. There are no timpanis. This is all produced by various electronic methods and techniques. Eerie, isn't it? <laughs> Six to twelve months. Yeah. Speaking of the nervous, this is W-O-R, AM at FM, New York. You have that little whoopee thing in there for us, Donald? There you go. We're talking once again to the 2,500-year-old brewmaster. Uh, sir, what happened the very first time you tasted Ballantine? The beer with more spirit to it. I jump two paces to the right. I turn, I turn, I turn, I stop. I go back to the bar. I say to the bartender, whoopee, whoopee, whoopee. Hello, hello, hello. I ask for another drink of Ballantine. I drink it. I jump two paces to the left. I shake his hand. I say, would you cut a card? Any card in the deck. He takes one. I buy another glass of Ballantine. I gurgle it and flurgle it. I jump around. I kiss my tonsils for being so happy to have been lucky enough to get Ballantine beer into my fizzle or mouth. <laughs> that happens every time you drink a glass of Ballantine. Every time, sir. Do you think I might have just one spirited sip of your Ballantine? I'm sorry. I never lend my Ballantine or my comb. If you want to start living a life that's livelier, live it with spirit. Valentine beer. There's more spirit to it. Razzmatazz. Let's see. We've got a couple of other little commercial ditties here. Here's a special event starting tomorrow. The internationally acclaimed motion picture, The Hill, starring Sean Connery, will have its American premiere at the Sutton Theater. There's about 45 quotes here from various official journals that mark it as the greatest thing since bottled beer. Metro-Golden-Mayer and Seven Arts presents Kenneth Hyman and Sidney Lumet's The Hill, starring Sean Connery, as you've never seen him before. And you know how you've seen him before. The Hill, starting tomorrow at the Sutton Theater. It's a special event. I tell you, is, is, is this ever a movie-oriented world we're living in? <laughs> a special event. I, I, I especially like those movie commercials that come on, you know, with that great, fantastic voice of the man who says... Once in a generation, we are privileged to be present at an event which surpasses all other events of our time. Be careful when any movie uses the word our time. That means it's a stinker par excellence. <laughs> you know, I wonder whether or not you're aware of the humor that goes into the people who do the commercials and who make up these fantastic blurbs for movies of one kind. I heard a comment. I wish I could tell it to you. Uh, Phil Tonkin told me the other... Phil does a lot of these. You know, Phil is, is old, the calliope voice himself. Uh, believe me, Phil's got a barrel organ of a voice. It's fantastic. You ever heard Phil's voice? He's, he's one of these people that you constantly hear on the commercials. This this giant voice. It sounds like it's a combination of King Kong, uh, the organ at Westminster Abbey and uh, perhaps the wind coming through Mammoth Cave. 
in Kentucky somewhere and all devoted to selling dog food. <laughs> and uh, Bill, Bill's got this great voice. And the other day we were talking about doing movie commercials. <laughs> and and, uh, and, and uh, I just wish I could tell you what he said. I can't. What do you mean? Oh, come on. There's some things one cannot say. But there are some things one can say. So hit the button in there quick, will you, Charles? There you go. <laughs> well, you want to know what he said? Really? You want to get us all in jail? Now's the time, the right time to change her. Pick up press stone, mad free. Never pick up a stranger. Pick up press stone, mad free. Yes, but. Prestone Antifreeze Coolant is a product of Union Carbide. Interesting strangers. Even if your car has antifreeze left over from last year, play it safe. Get a fresh fill now of Prestone Antifreeze with its exclusive magnetic film, the world's most tested, most trusted brand of magnetic film. Don't take chances on the substitute. Remember, never pick up a stranger. Okay. People, people who need people. 007 anti-freeze music. Yeah, well, that's true. There's a little James Bond in all of this. Now, uh, one thing we have to get out of the way before we go any further. This is Rover Night again here on WOR. And if you're planning to buy yourself a big supply of Prestone, why don't you pour it into a really fine automobile? I would suggest that you look up as quickly as you can the new... Rover 2000. And uh, I, I have one little quote that I want to read to you here. You know, it's funny how people have to have all kinds of official quotes. But uh, uh, one of the things that has been said about the Rover 2000, in fact, there are, st- uh, there are several state governments right now that are studying Rover 2000 uh, plans and diagrams because it is considered today among engineers and among just ordinary people one of the safest automobiles ever built anywhere, anytime. And I think, personally, one of the prettiest and one of the most beautifully handling cars. This is a genuine sports car, uh, and I tell you this as a guy who for years has owned Rovers, Rileys, I've owned Jaguars, I've owned uh, Austin Healy's, I used to have the Triumph dealership for the whole Middle West at one point. And I can, I can definitely tell you that if you are a sports car type and you're ready to graduate, uh, you're getting a little bit tired of uh, that two-seated thing and you've got to have something that has the same handling, the same superb construction and also, by the way, uh, has the, the, the feel. I, I don't know how to express it except that there is, a, you know when you're in a sports car. I would like to recommend you look... Of course, if you have a sports car, you undoubtedly already know about the Rover 2000. And if you would like to see this car, it runs in the, in the, in the area of $4,000. And this car is one of the finest and one of the oldest automobile manufacturers in the world. And here in the New York area, I'm going to give you a different dealer every night that you can see it at. Uh, let's see. I think we'll talk about White Plains. If you live in White Plains, it's the East Coast Imported Cars at 25 Martine Avenue. Is that Martine in White Plains? Rover, 2000. Great car. And I have not yet received mine from the distributor. The reason that I haven't gotten mine yet, I have a couple of special things I'm having done on it. It's a real fine car. Uh, You want to hear some more of that strange music? 
Now, the reason I'm, uh, this is not a music show tonight. I, I, I'm trying to make a point here. Maybe I'm not making it too well. But the point is that, uh, that sound today uh, is a thing which people are as hung on as they are other forms of passionate palliatives. <laughs> uh, it's, like, uh, it's like being hung on LSD. It's being hung on any kind of a, uh, of a, of a physical... Uh, a f- it isn't really an aesthetic experience either, you know. Uh, it's, it's a soothing balm that pours over people. You know that, that today you can buy stereotapes if, uh, if you live in the country and you're really a city type. You can buy endless stereo loops for your stereo record player of the sound of city traffic. You can. That many people, and, and, and by the way, they're selling very well, that many people need this or else they get very nervous. Uh, all of a sudden, a guy who all of his, all of his life has lived in Brooklyn or uh, in Flushing, and suddenly he hits it big, he makes a couple of bucks, and he winds up living in a farmhouse out in Bucks County, and he goes out of his skull. After the first four or five months, <laughs> he, he, he runs around and looks for crickets to yell. And he goes out and beats the bushes to try to get the frog started. And, uh, oh, I've known, listen, I knew one guy, I knew one guy who moved out to, to uh, Newtown in uh, Bucks County. After his entire life was spent uh, not more than 20 feet away from the Elston Avenue car line in Chicago, and the streetcars used to go past every seven and a half minutes. Now, these streetcars were made out of old Borden milk cans, and they all had flat wheels. You remember how they sounded, Don? They all had flat wheels, and they had, the, they had special kind of rails that jiggled up and down and went sideways at the same time. It sounded like some kind of an insane marimba being played by the devil himself. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, when I'm a kid, you know, I'm visiting this guy, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, I, I used to hear that Elston Avenue car come. You could hear it for four miles, coming and going. And somehow, this was like the sound of softly cooing doves to him. He just slept like a baby in this world. And as a matter of fact, uh, he, he always pretended that he didn't like it. Or at least he always thought this. You know, boy, this place and the floors would jiggle up and down. The streetcar would go past. The windows would rattle. And then when the streetcars would slow up, the giant semi-tractor trailers would start to deliver the bananas or whatever it is they went past his house with. And you'd hear these fantastic uh, white cab-over-engine trucks going by. You know, you know that sound that... <laughs> Then, then of course, uh, that would be followed immediately by the various garbage men uh, who, uh, to a man, sadists, who would arrive on the scene with their sledgehammers and start knocking, playing ping pong out there with the garbage cans. In fact, there, there's a thing called garbage. There's a thing called garbage can squash that they would play, and this was called "Hit me, and then I'll hit you twice with the can." And you'd hear him out there, Hey, Charlo! Well, you see, those voices, those undistinguishable voices you hear between the garbage can crashes is a scorekeeper who stands up on top of the truck. <laughs> you know, well, this is the kind of world he lived in. Well, then he moved to New York. Now, uh, it goes without saying where, where he got an apartment. He, has the, he had, briefly, the only apartment that I know of that was built overhanging the Manhattan entranceway to the Lincoln Tunnel. Uh, he was suspended directly over the center lane 
the one that says exact change lane for all the big, fast greyhounds and stuff. And he had an apartment that vibrated like a wearing blender in a high wind constantly. And he would sit there and say, oh, this noise, oh, wow. You'd hear this whole fleet of B-17s going past at window level. And he just, you know, was complaining constantly. Well, he finally received his, his, uh, his, uh, his long, deep-held dream, and that is he hit the Jack Potteroonie. And then he, he did what he had always planned to do. For years, he had been collecting... He'd been collecting these uh, Better Homes and Gardens type magazines. You know, they always talk about the revolutionary farmhouse that we, Chuck and I picked up for a song. And with a few little odds and ends, a little paintbrush and a few little antiques we picked up here and there at Maud's Antique Shop in Downington for just $7,242, we produced this magnificent 37-room home. Well, that's the kind of thing that he always wanted. And he finally got it. He got a... He got a revolutionary farmhouse that was made entirely of revolutionary gallstones that had been removed from Hessian soldiers. And it was a magnificent... Uh, they were all, of course... Well, they were all mercenaries. They sold everything, including the filling of their teeth. And he had this fantastic place. Now, it had been there, of course, since about 1779. And it had slowly begun to sunk down. And now the basement was 170 feet deep. And the roof just barely peeked over the brow of the hill that surrounded him completely with great overhanging elm trees. And there was not a sound to be heard for perhaps maybe, oh, 20 or 30 miles around. Occasionally, the only... Well, of course, the loudest sound, and I remember hearing it twice, was the sound of the rain pipe, the rain spout, dripping dew into a wooden bucket that had been made personally by Martha Washington deep down in the old butter cellar. And you'd hear it, pow, yeah, 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 yeah. it would go. You could hear this thing and just jar the fillings right out of your teeth and the glasses would jiggle in the, in the, old, in the old early American uh, glass jiggling uh, compartments that he had there. He had all, all of it, you know, the leaded glass and all. And he sat out there for about seven or maybe ten days. And he moved, and I didn't see him. And then one night, maybe 4 o'clock in the morning it was, something like that, my phone rang. You know, it's funny about telephones. Uh, today, uh, I think the phone company has done something to the phones because it used to be that phones just rang indiscriminately. You couldn't tell what kind of emotion was being poured into the dialing. Well, of course it's true. Now, for example, when my phone here at WOR rings, I can tell who's ringing. And that makes me know when to answer it and when not to answer it. For example, when leader calls, it goes, ah! Well, now, this is a put-down call. I mean, this is, this is a phone that, that is daring me to pick it up. I can just see it, see, and it sort of sticks its tongue. Ah! Well, then there's other kinds of calls. There's the wheedling call. It's, ah! This is the music department calling, and they're insisting that I turn in music sheets for non-existent music that I have played for the last four and a half years, and they're beginning to get scared. Then there is, of course, there, there is the, uh, gee, there's a great army term that describes it. Uh, it's, a, it's a phrase, I, well, it's, it's, it's another phrase for bootlicking. Uh, there is the sound of a bootlicking press agent calling up. And it goes, <laughs> It kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of an oleaginous sound, and I don't even get within a thousand yards of the phone when it's ringing like that. I just let it sit there in its own grease. And, uh, you know, popcorn is popping away there, and the butter is coming out of the horn. 
Well, now, now uh, uh, it's 4 o'clock in the morning, and I received immediate. I knew it instantly. It was a frantic phone call. Ah! It rings like that, and it's, ah! Holy smokes, it's 4 in the morning. Who's screaming? You're, ah! I pick it up, and on the other end is my friend. He says, hello, ship. I says, yeah. He says, well, well, I said, what's the matter? What's the matter? I, you know, I thought immediately. He said, what is he, on the windowsill? Is he about to jump or something like that? You know, hello, hello, ship. I said, yeah, yeah, wait a minute, easy, boy, wait, it's, what, what time it is, holy smokes. He says, I just, I just wanted to hear a voice. Will you, hang, hang the phone out the window, will you, please? I says, hang it out the window, what do you mean? He says, hang it out the window. I want to hear, I want to hear some traffic. Well, <clears throat> I, you know, I thought he was putting me on. Little did I realize that three weeks later, he was a confirmed gym drinker. This guy, up to that point, seriously, he was a teetotaler. After one month in Bucks County, he, he mainlined gin. Literally mainlined it. And I found out why he mainlined gin. It wasn't that he liked gin. He liked the sound of the, of the, that the cork made when he pulled it out of the bottle. It was at least the sound. And then after he would finish, he would drain off the bottle. He would hurl the bottle out the window and it would crash against his pre-revolutionary flagstones. And for uh, at least 30 milliseconds, he felt relieved. It was the sound. Well, I don't have to go any further. I can tell you that within six months, he had discovered high-fidelity sound. He hated music, by the way. This is a guy that does not like music. And now he has a great collection of stereophonic, beautifully recorded noise. He's got the sound of ping-pong games being played, and he plays them endlessly. He's got the sound of gigantic trains going up long drag hills in West Virginia. Have you ever heard those records? He plays them endlessly. He's got the sound of DC-6s landing at the municipal airport in Chicago. With the sound going directly overhead, it rattles the windows. And when he plays this thing, and he's got it on a long, endless tape. He's got the sound of old freight trains. He's got the sound of Mercedes 190 engines being revved up at the Nuremberg ring. <laughs> and he pretends, of course, that he's a collector of odd sounds. What he is is a collector of noise. And so, of course, it is with all of us. There's no question about it. I know people who, who leave their, their, uh, their uh, hi-fi set on. And, you know, it just goes on. It just plays these peeping sounds. The most interesting kind is the kind that leaves their television set on. And they never watch it. It's just... <laughs> That intermodulation hum and that poor little 21-inch nut out in the living room is going on and on and on and on and on. By the way, these are the people that every four and a half months, their set collapses, and they take it into the repairman. And they're, they're really mad. And they say, why, this is ridiculous. I haven't looked at that set. I don't, I never watch anything on television. Maybe I watch one or two shows a week. <laughs> but, of course, they don't say that the poor thing is on from 8 o'clock in the morning. It goes off when the last Priscilla Lane movie fi quietly fades out and the algebra lessons come on. I know one guy... Seriously, I know one guy who has three telephone lines coming into his bedroom. Now, he has nothing to say to anybody. Nobody has anything to say to him. But he incessantly is calling people up. And if he can't think of anybody to call up, he calls up Macy's. 
And uh, you can always get somebody at Macy's. <laughs> and he argues with him about ballpoint fringe or something. And when he can't get Macy's, he calls up the weather girl. You know that girl that always is on the phone there that with that Bronx accent? The weather in Central Park today, uh, you know that one? I wonder whether these chicks that record these weather tapes, I, whether, I wonder whether they tell their friends to tune in on them today. Uh, whether they have their agents. You know that most of those are top-flight actresses who are out of work. Seriously, they don't just call a, a, any girl in there to say, we want you to read the weather. If you don't believe me, call WE61212 right now. Go ahead. Don't you know about that? Dial WE61212. Now listen carefully to this. This is not a normal human being speaking. Nobody could have such a fantastic accent like that. They all sound like Barbara Streisand underwater. Believe me, talking through the drain plug. So uh, they're all hoping that a, that a big top agent will call them up and say, Baby, I'm putting you in my next picture. It's called the Fordham Mall Bounce. Yeah. <laughs> Now, now here, here, here again is part of that. Uh, by the way, this music is put together by a... Uh, it's created. It's not really written. It's created. It's created by a, a uh, an old line, fine musician, Raymond Scott. And here is another example of that electronic music. Now, this is used, again, as I say, this is not for tune or anything like that. It's a, a, they describe it as an oral toy. You know, for a long time, uh, everyone was aware, of course... The children, uh, the visual toy is a common thing where, where a person will hang inside the crib of a baby, something that just swings above him or her, you know, something that just swings back and forth, bright colored thing, and it just swings. And somehow, uh, the sight of this thing swinging back and forth, whatever it might be, has a soothing effect on kids. It's a kind of, a, it's a form, I suppose, of hypnosis. Uh, well, even adults have that. How many times have you found yourself sitting in the office and you're just sitting there with your tongue hanging out you know, and your mouth is sort of slack and uh, somebody walks in and says, What's the matter, Charlie? Silence. Says, What's the matter, Charlie? What's the matter? What's the matter? Uh, and you're just sitting there watching the, the pull on the cord, on the shade, swinging back and forth by the breeze. It's just going back and you go, Ugh. Hey, watch. Uh, <laughs> your eyes hang open. I sat once for a, for a half an hour in a classroom in the middle of a very important lecture and watched the cord on a, on a Venetian blind go back and forth in slowly increasing and then decreasing arcs. And my mind is constantly analyzing how far it'll go, how far it'll stop, when it'll go back, swing back and forth and back and forth. And all the while, the professor's saying, and in the case of a multiple quantitative equation, well, of course, <laughs> I was working on my own moment of inertia with that swinging cord back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So I guess underneath it all, we are an infant, six to 12 months old. And above our crib is that little swirling piece of red celluloid, here and there, caught by the wind, by the breeze, back and forth. And then there's the oral sound, the oral toy, the sound of music made out of brightly colored celluloid or plastic that catches the light and swings back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, jaw slack, eyes glazed, softly moving through that great caro sea of self-hypnosis 
I have a feeling this would work better for some executives I know. Of course, I guess underneath it all, they are infants, six to twelve months, judging by some of the temper tantrums I've seen thrown. I saw one executive fall right flat out on his on his big low carpet that they gave him when he became vice president. Fell flat right out and kicked his sandals off right in front of the air conditioning. In a fit of peak. This is fascinating stuff. Now, now, I think the most intriguing of all the cuts on this, this uh, soothing sounds for baby, and I'll, I'll read to you some of the some of the uh, descriptive, uh, some of the descriptive phrases. Yeah, the other side, down, Yeah, some of the descriptive phrases here. It says an indispensable aid to mother during the feeding, teething, play, sleep, and fretful periods. And, and I think I think this line is probably the greatest line of all. Uh, you don't have to cue it in. It all sounds the same, Don. I, I think uh, this is the greatest line of all. An infant's friend in sound. called in and says, Shep, you need soothing sounds for little old ladies. Oh, don't worry, they get that all morning with John Gambling. <laughs> well, you mean a little old lady called in angrily, I see. Well, there's always a little old lady calling in and saying, this doesn't make heads or tails, what he's talking about. He doesn't make sense. <laughs> Somehow, that kaleidoscopic... Uh, montage of the news of of countries that none of them know about, have ever seen, and ever will know about, does make sense. <laughs> Isn't it funny how, how a politician making great nonsensical sounds that are soothing, by the way, just in the same way that this music is soothing to many people, makes sense to people? I heard a politician the other night... Uh, who has mastered the soothing sound. Now, there are many kinds of soothing sounds for adults. There is the soothing sound that caters to his own prejudices. And that soothing sound must be alternately angry and then grandiose. There's that soothing sound. And uh, nothing is more soothing to the average adult than to have his own biases catered to. And so... (laughs) Oh, yes, this is a very soothing sound. And you'd be surprised how much nonsense is tolerated by the adult who is full of nonsense. And so nonsense makes sense. Uh, what was it that, that Alice, <laughs> Alice and Alice in Wonderland, I'll never forget that, that exchange between Alice and I believe it was the White Queen, when Alice was running like mad and she says, this is ridiculous, I'm not getting anywhere. And I'm paraphrasing it very, very broadly. And the white queen says, what do you mean you're not getting anywhere? Why, uh, uh, you're staying where you are. And she says, well, I'm running so fast, and yet I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I should be getting somewhere. In my country, we get somewhere when we run this fast. 
and the white queen says, well, in our country, you'd have to run at least twice as fast as you're running now to get anywhere. In fact, we have to run as fast as we can just to stay where we are. Now, <laughs> I'm sure that to, to many people this doesn't make sense, uh, that phrase. And yet, if they look around, they will find that their life is a gradual running in place and a gradual slipping backward eternally. Whether or not uh, sense is made is another question. In fact, I've often wondered whether there is any sense in anything, which I'm sure will inspire many people to say, what is this man talking about? Of course there's sense in things. Why might husband Charles and I both have agreed that the power of positive thinking is the only way in which we can rise above the mire of beastdom. Isn't that right, Charles? Sit up, will you? I'm telling the young man about positive power of thinking, or thinking about... I mean, I'm telling him about... What's that, Charles? Well, anyway, I believe I'm tied in the affairs of men. will contrive to do, well, who knows what to it. So get your harpoon ready, friends. Here comes another whale. And that is, uh, I think, one of the most spectacular of all the cuts. Uh, that, that cut is about 25 or 30 minutes long. And it does not vary. Set it in the middle, Don, and, and, and show them what it sounds like in the middle. This is all the way in the middle of it. Uh, it is just a series of rhythmic, a uh, variety of sounds. Now, there's the middle of the record. Now, set it in towards the end, Don, almost at the end of it. And uh, it plays on and on for 25 and 30 minutes. And I suppose you can get it on an, on an endless tape. Soothing sounds for baby. Speaking of soothing sounds, how are your knees? in this day and time. Eh? Pretty loose, eh? How are you at uh, long-distance sneezing? Oh, pretty good, huh? How are you at holding it in? <laughs> well, there are a lot of things that make sense. And then there are a lot of things that don't. The difficulty is in telling which is which. That's always been a problem with people. Of course, I suppose the squirrels have the same problem. Don't you think so, Don? Probably even the camels, too. But then again, on the other hand, you know, there are people who really are hung on jigsaw puzzles. You know? Like my old man, he dug Chinese nail puzzles, you know, with the nails. I'll never forget, after six months of working on a Chinese nail puzzle that he got for Christmas one time from his boss, he finally jumped up and says, I'll fix the damn thing. Went downstairs, took it apart with his pliers, and never again was troubled by the Chinese nail puzzle trauma, which many people seem to suffer. Oh, uh, this is Gordian Knot here. And uh, it's been good seeing. Let's spell with a K, in case you're interested. <laughs> in case you'd like to write to whoever it is you're mad at. I'm here, right here. I'd love to hear from you. Friends, neighbors, fellow countrymen, fellow infants. Good to hear you. Or is it I'm seeing you? Or are you hearing me? Which is it? It's hard to tell. Don't you hear something? I don't know. Who knows? 